morning, I kind of wanted to talk about, um, you know, it's been an interesting year, a little bit more different challenges as we go through our daily lives. And one thing that's kind of been a little more, I don't know, relevant to me these last, this last few months is at work, we're pretty busy and it's been a little bit change of pace. We usually do a lot more commercial jobs than we have been doing lately, doing a lot more homeowner jobs and a lot more jobs, a lot more volume usually means communication gets dropped a little bit. I guess I'm kind of echoing. And um, with that is kind of we get into this back and forth of who's right, customer right, salesman right, and kind of you know get caught in that. And then goes one step farther, you know, kind of my, uh, one of my helpers and I were talking on one of the jobs that was going a little bit not how it was supposed to. And uh, got in the conversation of, you know, who do we work for? Do we, you know, are we working for the customer or are we working for our company? I mean, paycheck comes from the company, but in a roundabout way, it comes from the customer. So you want the customer to be happy, which then we kind of got into the conversation of, well, you know, really, we don't really work for either one of them. We work for the Lord. He's, I mean, he's in control. He's why we're here. Um, and, you know, just that living our lives working for the Lord, and if we're living a godly life, you know, it's our actions and our daily work is going to reflect that. Um, a couple of verses I um, came across to us. Uh, let's see, first, uh, first Colossians three twenty three through twenty four. Um, work willingly at whatever you do, as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the Master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done. For God has no favorites. And so just the reassurance, I mean, we're working for the Lord. Uh, and a couple other verses, Second Timothy 2, 15. Work so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. So this kind of talk also about, you know, just, you know, working our work for the Lord, you know, in our daily, daily walk, daily activities. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Just our daily walk, our daily work, you know, just, you know, Lord's why we're here, keeping that as our focus and keeping him, him is what our goal and we're working for him and, you know, the daily life that kind of gets in the way, but. That's what, uh, why we're here. So anyway, I'll pray and uh, invite the worship team up. Lord, just want to thank you for this beautiful day you've given us. I want to thank you for the opportunity we had to meet together. Just pray that you would uh, guide and direct this service. Bless it. Pray that you would be honored and glorified. And we pray. Amen. Good morning. I want to welcome you here again this morning. Um, you know, we can be... It, it, we, can, we all have times where we get depressed and get down and get discouraged, but we can always know that God is still on the throne. God is still in control. And I appreciate, Caleb, what you said 
about. People here in this church body and in our community that if you are down or discouraged, man, don't hesitate to give somebody a call. Uh, because we're not all discouraged and we're not all down at the same time. And don't hesitate to call somebody to be encouraged or to be an encouragement to somebody. I appreciate you sharing that, Caleb. Uh, so we finished Second Peter last week. And I have been praying a little bit and trying to figure out where we're going next. And I, I'm going, I, I had mentioned something about going through some of the judges. And uh, I think I'm going, I am going to, to do that. I'm going to not start, not going into any of the judges in particular today, but I just want to kind of set the stage for where things are at. And it's really interesting reading what's going on here and comparing it. It's really hard. Anything that you read, it's really hard not to compare with what's going on today. I mean, I don't know about you, but anything that we do, anything that we read, any experience that we have, it's really hard not to compare it with where we're at today and what's going on. Is the end of the world getting closer? We know Christ's return is getting closer. The end's getting closer, too. But Christ's return is getting closer. Uh, how does this compare to what's going on back in the Old Testament? So we're going to go from the almost end of the New Testament, and we're going to jump clear back to the end of Joshua is where we're going to start. <clears throat> so the stage that has, has happened is... You know these stories, you've heard them before, but there's still things that we can learn from them. Because today, this is a new week, today is a new day, and God maybe has something new or different for us this morning. And so my prayer is that we, I, because a lot of this stuff that we're going through here applies to me just as much as it does to you. And uh, so I've been, it's been exciting reading through and just studying some of these things that we're going to be talking about, hopefully over the next few weeks. But uh, uh, the children of Israel have been delivered from Egypt. Moses has led them out. God put Moses in charge, even though Moses wasn't really thrilled about that at the beginning. He put him in charge. He led them out of Egypt. All of these miracles, all of these things that happened, we can read about now, but they're living in them and experiencing them at the time. And all of these things happen. They lead him out into the wilderness, and he takes care of the Egyptian army takes care of all the problems that have come. He gives them food to eat. He gives them water to drink, and they complain about the food. They want some meat, so he gives them meat to eat. He's taking care of them. It might not be the comforts of what we enjoy today, but they're taken care of. And let me tell you, as a side note, we could get by with a lot less than what we have today and still be taken care of. And so when we know that the promise that says God's going to take care of us, he's going to provide for us, he's not going to leave us or forsake us, it doesn't mean that we might be living in the comfort that we do today because we live with a lot more than we would need to survive. Nothing wrong with it. I just remind myself of that. So here they are. They're in the wilderness. They send the spies into the Canaan land, the promised land that God has promised to Abraham. He said, you're going you're gonna to own it. You're going to live there. Send the spies in. Spies come back, and the uh, majority of those spies are very discouraged. Can't happen. Two of them think it can. You know how the story goes. They, they don't go in. They try to. They fail. They go back out. They wander in the wilderness for 40 years. The significance of the timing of these things is that another generation has passed. And so all of the people at the time that they tried to go to the, Can the promised land the first time all had to uh, pass away before they were actually able to go, with the exception of Joshua and Caleb. So Moses leads them through the wilderness for all these years until the until this generation changes. And then Moses disobeys God as well 
and he's not able to go into the promised land either. What a bummer. But there is a plan of, uh, uh, of succession set up. Joshua has been following. He's been with Moses. He was one of the original spies that went into the promised land and was, had a positive outlook on it. And so Joshua has been being trained, in a sense, to take over the leadership from Moses. So they had a plan. They had someone that they were looking forward to that they knew was going to continue to lead them. So Moses dies. Joshua takes over and leads them into the promised land. And, and again, just read through the book of Joshua. And some of the things I still, just the one that I still have a hard time getting over is when they attack Jericho and they march around Jericho seven times. I mean, it seems pointless to march around, except that that's what God said to do. And with Joshua being the new leader, the people are looking to him, and he is looking to God as far as what to do. Now, there was times that he messed up and forgot, didn't ask, and, you know, the story of AI with what happened. But by and large, Joshua is leading them by following God's lead. And so here we get towards the end of Joshua. Joshua has led them into the land, and they've conquered a lot of places and taken over a lot of cities, and now they're ready to divide the land that they've conquered to the 12 tribes and say, here's your section, here's your section, here's your section. So this is what's going on the end of Joshua and starting into Judges. Joshua's been leading them up to this point as a nation, as a whole. Everybody together attacking the promised land. So here in Joshua 24, we're going to read just a little bit out of it, but Joshua's reminding them and challenging the people to continue serving the Lord. Joshua is getting closer to the end of his life. I want to read a few verses from Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 through 18. It says, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwelt in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. So here is the, are the Israelites. Joshua is trying to lay it out for them. He knows his time is almost over, and he's laying it out for them. Here's the options that you have. We have come in, and we've conquered all of these other cities and nations that live here in the promised land. Now, with every nation or with every city came a different God. And so not only were they conquering the city or the nation, but they were also conquering their God. When God said to wipe the people out, the reason for that was let's eliminate that God that they served. Because these were still people that God loved and God cared for, but the God that they served is what he was directing that towards. Let's get rid of that God so that's not a temptation and let's wipe out this God over here so that one's not a temptation. But Joshua is telling the people right now, you need to decide. You need to decide for yourselves. My time is almost done. I'm not gonna be here very much longer. Now it's time for you to make up your mind on who you're going to serve. And that's where he says the line that we like the most. He says, but as for me and my house, 
we will serve the Lord. And I'm hoping and praying that's, that's the stand that we will take today, is that as for me and my house, as for you and your house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's what we want to do. That's what our goal is to do. But Joshua is reminding the people, you have to decide. I can't decide for you. Joshua is saying, I can't make that decision for you. You have to make that decision for your family or for your tribe or whoever it is. It comes down to each family. You have to make that decision. You've been follow, they've been following Joshua all this time. They, before that, they've been following Moses, and they, he's leading them, and they can go to him with questions. They can go to him with whatever they need to, and, and, and they know that he will talk to God for them. But now he's saying, things are going to change a little bit. You need to decide for sure. It should have been that way before. They should have known this before, but now you need to decide. Who are you going to serve? Is it going to be the gods where you came from? Is it going to be the gods that your fathers served, which was the true God Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob served? Is it going to be the gods of the people in this land where you're going to dwell now? Who is it going to be? Who is it going to be? And the people of Israel right here said, hey, we've seen all these things that have happened. We witnessed all these miracles that that have happened, and we want to continue. We also want to continue to serve the Lord. They said it right here. And so Joshua sets up a memorial He says, you're your witness. You have witnessed for yourself what you've said. I've witnessed also what you have said. We're going to set up a memorial here. And and every time we see this, this is going to be a reminder of what we have decided that we're going to do. We've decided, we've made up our minds that we're going to follow the true God, the one true God. Matthew 6, 24, I want to read very quickly. And we know this, just going into where we're, we're headed right now in the next few verses, but it says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, there was a lot of idols from the people that were living in the, 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 from the Canaanite people, the promised land that God had given to Israel. There was all kinds of other gods there, lots of them. Everybody had their own God. Everybody did. Lots to choose from. Joshua, I want to read 24 and verse 31, and it says, They served the Lord all the days of Joshua. This is talking about the, the, the nation of Israel. They served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had known all the works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Now, this is quite a testament to the life of Joshua, I would have to say. Because everybody that knew Joshua, everybody that had followed Joshua, everybody had watched the things that God had done, they said, we're following the Lord. We remember. We know what happened. We were there. We saw what happened. We experienced what happened. We're going to continue to follow the Lord. And it says right there, um, and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. So the older part of the generation that lived past Joshua and they were still alive. As long as they were still alive, they were still following what God had said. There's a couple of things we're going to get into and maybe repeating myself just a little bit as we go. But my question to start with right here is how do we get from the end of Joshua where the children of Israel are as one group saying, yes, we want to serve the Lord to the first and second chapter of Judges. In the first and second chapter of Judges is where we set up, Joshua has since passed away, the, the 
elders and the people that lived longer than Joshua have now passed away, so the new generation is now in charge. There is no clear successor to Joshua. There wasn't anybody that he was going to pass it on to. And see, this is where I, I feel like the people lost track of what was going on because they didn't have somebody to follow. They didn't have somebody to follow. In the times that we're living, and I'll probably come back around to this, in the times that we're living right now, <clears throat> we have watched, <clears throat> been a little bit more in tune with political happenings, it seems like, as of late, always wondering what's going to happen and not sure ever what to believe or who to believe or how to believe. We know for sure that God is still in control. It's easy to say. It's totally another thing to live that way. But, you know, it really isn't based on who's in the White House. It isn't based on who's in the governor's mansion of, of our state or any other state. And right here, the children, the nation of Israel have forgotten, it seems, as this next generation came along, they have forgotten that, yes, they may have been following Moses, they may have been following Joshua, but ultimately, who were they following? It was God that they were following. It was God that brought them out of the land of Egypt. It was God that had them wander in the wilderness and took care of them this whole time. It was God that took them across the Jordan River to start conquering the promised land. It was God who had brought them to this point. It wasn't Moses. It wasn't Joshua. God had worked through Moses and through Joshua, but it was still God that did it. And at this time, they start to forget. This new generation starts to forget. They say, we don't have... Moses is gone. Joshua's gone. Maybe they didn't even remember who Moses was. I don't know. Joshua's gone now. All the people that remembered what had happened are gone. What are we going to do for a leader? Who are we going to follow? Who's going to lead us into the things that we need to do? So we go into the first chapter of Judges. And it's interesting, as they first go in... As they continue after Joshua's death, they still continue as a nation for a little while. Hey, can you guys come and help me? I'm going to go attack these. And so their other tribes come and help, and they attack these certain people. And this happens for a little bit. But as time goes on, the one tribe tries to take care of their area, and the other tribe tries to take care of another area. And Judges, uh, a couple of verses that I wanted to read... Several things, there's just several things that have happened right here. The first one is this, in Judges chapter 1, verses 24 through 26. And it says, uh, this is the house of Joseph had going up against Bethel. It says, and when the spies saw a man coming out of the city, they said to him, please show us the entrance to the city and we will show you mercy. So he showed them the entrance to the city and they struck the city with the edge of the sword. But they let the man and all his family go. And the man went to the land of the Hittites and built a city and called its name Luz, which it is still, which is its name to this day. So they're attacking the city, but they find somebody coming out of it and they ask him, can you help us? And if you help us, we'll let you go. Well, it doesn't seem like a huge deal. It doesn't seem like it should be that big of a deal to ask this guy for help, and then we'll show you mercy. You know, that seems like a plausible plan, except that God said, you need to go in, and you need to wipe them all out. And then as we go on through chapter 1, in just numerous different verses, I'm just going to read the first little part. In verse 27, it says, However, Manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants. And in verse 28, it says, And it came to pass... Nope, that's not the right verse. 29, sorry. Nor did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites... 
Verse 30, nor did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Kitron, nor did Asher drive out the inhabitants of Echo or the inhabitants of Sidon, nor did Naphtali drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh. Over and over again, we start hearing they did not drive out the inhabitants of where they were going to live. And so as, instead of having, when Joshua was leading, it would have been a, called a conquest. And he was going in and wiping out everybody. Wipe out everything. We don't want to leave any gods. We don't want to leave any idols. No people that lived in that land, we're going to, they're conquest. They're conquering the whole land. Until you get to the individual tribes of Israel now working a little bit more on their own. And all of a sudden, we come to cohabitation instead of conquest. And it says right there in Judges 1 that they didn't drive out the people from the land. They did not over and over. Each tribe, they did not, they did not, they did not. And very, very slowly, how do we get from the end of Joshua with the people saying, yes, we want to serve the Lord, we want to continue to serve the Lord, and we move into Judges, and it said they failed to drive the people out. How do we get from that one spot to the other? It doesn't happen in one day. It doesn't mean today we're going to serve the Lord and we're on fire for the Lord and tomorrow, oh boy, I don't think we can do that anymore. How does that happen? How do we get that from one spot to the other? What seems, you know, you're reading through scripture, it seems so quickly, but it was a, it was a generation that had passed as this happened. The one thing, the tribes of Israel didn't completely get rid of the people living in the land before them. They did not completely get rid of them. They started to move in alongside of them. And you know when that happens, they start to interact with one another, and then they start to intermarry with one another. And now we have a real problem as far as the gods of the other nations that were supposed to be destroyed. They weren't destroyed there's, a lot, there's several places in Judges that, says the, that it says the people did what was right in their own eyes. All of a sudden it became whatever seems right to me, that's what I'm going to do. In Judges 1, the tribes were fighting and defeating the people in the land. And right here in verse 16 is, I think, where the change starts. Right at the end of verse 16, it says, and they went and dwelt among the people. And this is talking about the children of Israel. They went and dwelt among the people that were already living in the land. And they went and they started living among them. They started mingling with them. They started doing business with them. Sometimes it says they made them their slaves or their uh, servants. That happened several times, but the fact of the matter was that they were still there. And again, it wasn't that God didn't care about these people because it can really seem, start to seem like, well, God doesn't, did he not care about these people? Because God still created these people. But again, the bigger picture was that we're fighting the gods that they served. The battles that they were fighting was to wipe out their God. Because we're coming, the children of Israel are coming in with the one true God. And they knew that at the time. And all of the people living in Canaan were terrified of him. But as soon as they started not kicking them all out, not wiping them all out. That's where the problems started. It, it happened slowly. To get from the end of Joshua, we want to serve the Lord, to Judges, where um, 
I think we're just going to cohabitate with these people because it might be a little too difficult to push them all out. <laughs> it happens very, very slowly. I want to read Psalm 106. Verses 34 through 38. They did not destroy the people concerning whom the Lord had commanded them, but they mingled with the Gentiles and learned their works. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons and shed innocent blood, <clears throat> the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted. With blood. Now, if you would have told them immediately at the end of Joshua that when they started living in this land, they were going to start sacrificing their kids to these different, they would have laughed at you and they would have said, that is not ever going to happen. But when that generation was gone, when that older generation was gone and all of a sudden the newer one is there, and for some reason, for some reason, which is why I come back to always again teaching your kids what the scripture says, because for some reason that was missed. Because I feel, I know God had a plan for this and God had a purpose for this, but I feel like we can go through, the, we can do the same thing today. If we forget, if we don't take the time to teach the young people, the kids, the children, if we don't teach our children who God is, what God has done, and how he can take care of us, in one generation, one generation, it can all be gone. It will all be gone. It's so very, very important that we teach our children the truth. Right here is the truth. Read it. Read it on a daily basis. And I'm not saying this because I have this down. I'm saying it because I need to do better at this. But if I'm going to do better, I'm going to challenge all of you to do exactly the same thing. This needs to be read on a daily basis to your children. And I know some of you don't have kids at home, but you can do the same thing with grandchildren or neighbor kids or whoever it is. But the young people of our generation, if we don't pass it on when this generation leaves, we know what happens. It happened over and over. All, as we go through this book of Judges, you're going to see the same thing happening over and over and over. Here comes a judge. It starts with Joshua. Joshua dies, and all that generation dies, and they turn away from God. He sends a, God sends a judge to bring them back. He brings them back. That gener, judge dies, and that generation dies, and they start over, disobeying God over and over and over and over. And can we not learn from that? I sure hope that I can learn from what happened here in Joshua and Judges. Let's go back to... Uh, Judges chapter 1. So the slow change that I'm talking about, again, start in verse 16 when it said, And they went and dwelt among the people. The people of the land were allowed to stay. They were allowed to stay there. Again, they often became slaves or servants, but they were there. How did the children of Israel find themselves in this situation? I think one of the things is they didn't hold together as a nation. They didn't hold together. I know that they all had their own 
piece of land that God had promised and they divided it. I, I realize that and understand that. But as a nation, they didn't hold together as a nation to continue to fight and conquer the promised land. <clears throat> Today, the way that we live is we like to live in, independently of each other. We like to live independently of each other. I'll do my own thing. I'm good. I got my family. We're okay. Zach shared this morning, you get discouraged. I got to go. I, I got to go to men's meeting and I got to rub shoulders with some other guys because I'm discouraged. That's what we do. We don't live independently of one another. Yes, we have our own homes that we're supposed to be responsible for, we're supposed to take care of, but that's part of the reason why we come here. We come here so we can encourage, we can be edified, we can be challenged, and we can know that we are loved, not just by God, because we know that, but by other people. Other people care. And we're not, and I think the, the nation of Israel, that's one thing that they did is they split, and they all tried to do it on their own. How do we get from Joshua 24 to Judges chapter 1? And I think a lot of it is one little compromise at a time. That's how you get there. It didn't happen in a day. It didn't happen a year. It happened in 50, 60 years. It was over a long period of time. But it does. I look at the things that are happening politically right now, and I'm just like, how in the world? The media that we, that, that the, the mainstream media that we listen to is, you know, you don't ever know if, you can't really believe anything they say, hardly. But has it always been that way? It's been that way for a while. But how did it get there? How did going to serve in public office all of a sudden become uh, it's not just serving a public office. Now we're looking out for our own interests. And again, it comes down to this very same factor that the children of Israel were working through. It happened one compromise. At a, you know, it'll, it, it's not that big of a deal. It'll be okay. If we just compromise on this little one little issue, then we can agree. We might not agree, but we're going to agree to, to do this so that it'll help you and it'll help me and we can move forward. There are things that we can compromise on. There are things that we can come to a conclusion on that we might not agree on. But there are other things that we had better not compromise on. And those are the things that we believe and that we hold dear. Don't compromise on what you believe. Do not compromise on what you believe. Children of Israel begin doing that by allowing these people to stay. I'm not saying that we should never hang out with people that don't believe in God the same way we do. We need to be a light. We do need to be salt. We don't need to dump the whole container of salt on people. But we do need to be salt to people. Don't compromise on what you believe. One tribe after another making a compromise to allow the Canaanites to continue living in the land. Said it right there in Judges 1, one verse after the other. And this tribe didn't throw them out. And this tribe didn't throw them out. And this tribe didn't throw them out. And I would, would not want to see that being transferred to the Rop family didn't throw them out. Because I don't want to compromise on what I believe. 
I want to be able to stand. But I want to know what it is that we stand for. What is it that we stand for? We stand for truth. I want to stand for truth. This Bible right here, unfortunately today, we just got done in Second Peter where it talks about false teachers or where it talks about using the scripture, reading it, and taking it out of context and twisting it to fit my ideology. It's not what it's for. You either believe everything that this says or you don't believe any of it. You have to believe it in its entirety. It's the inspired word of God. This is what we believe. This is what we stand on. This is what's worth dying for. There might be things in our world that we live for, and, and we, it might not be worth dying for, but when it comes down to God's word and the truth of God's word and the truth of who Jesus is, that's worth dying for. What are the compromises that we make in our lives? I'm not going to answer any of those. I just want you to think about that because it's different for each individual. What are the compromises that you might be facing right now? Are we willing to compromise or are we willing to stand up for what we believe? Galatians, I want to read Galatians chapter 4. Verses 8 and 9. It says, But then indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not gods. But now, after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? But then indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not gods. But now after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? The children of Israel knew who God was. They knew what he could do. They had seen the miracles that he did. <clears throat> when that generation had passed, they turned back to what they had known before. Let's not let a generation pass without the next generation coming, know what they believe. Know who they can put their trust in. Know who they can count on. Know who holds the future. If we have hope in a person such as Joshua, or if we put our, our, um, the reason that we live in a person like Joshua or like Moses, we will be fine as long as they're alive. But as soon as they're gone, we're going to be a little bit confused on who to follow. And I want to make no mistake. We should be following God. Because God is not ever going to die. He's never going to leave us. He will always be there. He will always be in control. We can always look to him. And then we're not looking to a human to take care of us. Because a lot of times, you know, as, after we get through Judges, I don't know how far we'll go, but the Israelites start saying, we want a king. All the other nations around us have a king. We want a king. Why did they want a king so bad? They wanted somebody that they could see and somebody they could hear and somebody that would just tell them what they should do. And that's where Samuel says, you're not going to like it. You won't like it. 
You don't want one. I'm trying to tell you, you don't want a king because he's going to do this and he's going to do this and he's going to do this. He's going to take all your sons and make him fight in his army. He's going to take all the best land and he's going to tax you and he's going to do all of these things. Nope, we want a king because we can see him. We can hear him. We have a king. It's not President Trump. It's Jesus Christ is our king. We have a king. And he doesn't change. He's not up for re-election every four years. He's always the same. We have a king. Let's not forget who it is. Are we going to always be followers? Are we going to be willing to be leaders? Because all of the children of Israel followed Moses and they followed Joshua, which is a whole lot easier to do, to follow. It's a lot easier to follow. But are we willing to be leaders? Are we willing to be a Joshua that will stand up and say, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? Exodus 20, verse 4 says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And in the process of trying to wipe out all these nations, again, that's what they were wiping out was the gods. No other gods. I don't want there to be no competition. I want you to serve me and me alone. It starts today. What are the things in your life Two questions. What are the things in your life that you have compromised on? And just because you have compromised on something does not mean that you can't be forgiven of that and move on. That can happen. God will do that. But the second question is, what are the things that you're facing today, right now, that you're considering compromising on? Look at them very, very thoroughly and compare them to Scripture before you make that decision. Talk is cheap. I can stand up here and talk and talk and talk. You take this Bible and you read it and you see what God tells you. I am sharing what he has given, what I feel like he's given me to share, but you take it, you read it. The Holy Spirit can talk to you just the same. Exactly the same. Are we passing on what we believe to our children? I would hate to find ourselves in the same situation that the children of Israel were in. And every 50, 60, 70 years, we have to start all the way over. It just seemed like they started over every single time. All the way back to here. They're worshiping the idols of Baal and Asherah and all whatever other idols there were. And God brings a a heathen nation, non-believing nation, to kind of not wipe them out, but kill some people and take a lot of their stuff and they start to, as soon as that, when that starts to happen, they start to cry out to God. Let's not wait until that happens to cry out to God. Let's do that on a daily basis. Let's do that continually. Next week, we're going to get into some of the judges and there's some really interesting stories. Really interesting stories. But today, I want to know what we believe. Let's stand for what we believe. I've got a song that we're going to play. If you want to get that ready, Ryan, we believe. I want to read John chapter 3 before we play that, though. John chapter 3, and I'm going to start at verse 17. <clears throat> Ryan told me I left, out the, I left out 16. I said, no, I meant to start at 17. John chapter 3, verse 17 through 21. 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. We believe. I want you to listen to this song. Stand up with me, if you would. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for the examples that you have given us throughout the scripture. And Lord, I pray that we would remember who you are, what you've done. Remember to pass it on to our children, who you are and what you've done. I just pray that you would guide our week. I pray that you'd give us your boldness to share your love with people that we meet this week. Just thank you that we can come, we can encourage one another, and we can edify the body here. Bless each person as they go from here. We love you this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. You can be dismissed.